Hi, and welcome to IndieWire's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. My name is Chris Fault. I'm the editor of the Toolkit. My guest today is director Trey Edward Schultz, uh, whose new movie, It Comes at Night, a horror film from A24, is hitting theaters this Friday. Um, most of you know Trey from Cretia, his ultra-low-budget movie that broke out of uh, South by Southwest a couple years ago and took a lot of people by surprise, made a lot of top tens, including my own. And so, Trey, welcome. Thank you for having me, man. Um, when we say ultra-low-budget, I think, you know, I think these terms get thrown around so much, but like, Cretia was really like, like what, like nine days? I, I remember reading like twenty, thirty thousand dollars. I mean, really? Yeah, it was. It was nine days of shooting and thirty to thirty-five thousand dollar production shoot. Uh, I think it was thirty, and then half of that we raised like four, almost fifteen thousand on Kickstarter, and all that just went to camera-related stuff. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I remember. Um, when it premiered, I wasn't at South by, but that and, and your film was the one that everybody was talking about. Kind of so took cool. it, it was yeah. It was you, you had a best good week, week of my life. You had a good week, um, and I just remember thinking, this is like I heard nine day shoot, shoots with his family, oh, yeah, family in his family's too. house, my mom's uh, house, uh, uh, family drama set against Thanksgiving. And I was like. <laughs> <laughs> this is not. You see that movie? I was like, I was like, I've seen this movie, and I don't, I don't want to see it. And then I, I saw it because I had to, because I was talking, and it blew me away. That's awesome. And I watched it again because I couldn't a hundred percent figure it out why it was working so well. And rewatching it, the thing about it was, I, I had not seen an indie or actually a modern film this way use camera movement in such this way to get. I mean, there's a, there's a story here about this family. But there's a layer underneath. There's like this layer of psychological um, disturbance and being unsettled, which I guess now that seeing it comes at night, which is this <laughs> deeply, deeply disturbing uh, horror film. But that sense of um, how you were able to kind of unlock what was going on with them through camera movement. And I'm wondering now, having seen your, a second film by you, is that something? When you're writing these stories, when you're coming up with these stories, are you thinking about that? I mean, obviously you're thinking about character emotion, but are mm -hmm. you thinking? Are you seeing them in movement? Are you? Yeah. Definitely, it's like, um, especially Cretia. It was funny. Like the first draft or the draft of that script I sent out was like, this is going to be a long take here. This is this is when we change aspect ratios. So that like it was probably annoying to read because it broke down visually. But like the first time I'm writing. Obviously, it's not the entire movie. Like, it's not like I'm a genius and all of a sudden I see the mm -hmm. whole movie. But it's like certain scenes, certain. It's like a mix of that, but a lot of it is visual. And like with it comes at night too. It was like that first opening take and that shot was like this face pivoting over, feeling that, seeing the the tarps there, the board, the gas. Like, I just saw all of that. Mm -hmm. And then certain scenes would stick out. And then that's how it's been so far. It's like. Uh, certain scenes will stick out exactly how we're going to shoot them and then there's like a general mode and uh, or like mood and tone visually that comes in but I'm 100% visual it like it starts there well sort of and, and one thing about kind of elaborate or extensive camera movements is that I, it, people don't associate that with low budget filmmaking in, yeah. in fact I you know when I used to teach I used to you know steer steer people because you, you were getting lots of handheld and moving away and like trying to get people to compose shots but yeah. there's there's an element here for a film that is that small and it seems like you put all your resources towards camera but I'm wondering just as kind of a general that sense with low budget filmmaking but having camera movie such a big part of it is, is this something you have a camera background is this just something that like 
is it a matter of, because the other element here is it's a mix of cast. Mm -hmm. You know, um, your aunt, who is a lead, is a, is a very talented actor actress mm -hmm. and, and some of your family is a natural performers too but there is this mix of actors and non-actors which is also not something you associate with camera movement which has got to be on beat and things like that so how that element of executing something like that on a low-budget film mm -hmm. is that is is that something you would recommend or is that something you just that's how you had to do this movie uh, well it certainly was how I had to do this movie and it was like everything that draw, drew me to it um, if I recommend it I don't know uh, but I am um, I don't know. I'm. Uh, I. You have a camera background, though, right? I, I do have a camera background. I uh, actually, on a, that probably has a lot to do with it. I, when I was like 18 or 19, I for the summer went to uh, stay with my aunt Krisha in Hawaii, uh, and she was in with like sort of the Hawaiian industry, and I was on like bad commercials and stuff. And then it's a very long story, but I lucked out, got on this Terrence Malick movie that was really just shootings, like, it was for um, Voyage of Time, which I still haven't seen, but, so it was, Terry wasn't even there, it was like five guys with an IMAX camera, and I was like a kid, um, had no idea anything, like, I loved movies, that I knew, but I didn't know how they were made, really, and like, I didn't even get what the guy in the changing bag with the film was doing, and I was sharing a room with him, he was the film loader, and uh, we bonded, and the first AC uh, had to, actually the only AC, that's how small our shoot was, had to leave early, so the film loader had to AC, because the volcano was being weird, that's what we were filming. And then he taught me how to load magazines, and then um, I practiced in my hotel room and stuff, because when you're in the field, you do it with a changing bag, you can't see what you're doing, there's no dark room, obviously. And um, yeah, so I, I just remember the day, the first time we were out in the field doing it, and the DP was screaming for a mag, lava was flowing by us, it started raining, someone was holding a tarp over my head, I'm like an 18 year old kid, like trying to change IMAX film, which is huge, and luckily my heart was going crazy, but I did okay, and I got the mags loaded, no mess ups, and flashing, it was all good, and we kept shooting, it was a good rate, and then like the I just did that for the rest of the shoot, and the DP loved me, and he got me on all these other shoots, and I was like, I'm not going to go back to school school for now and I went to Chile and Monterey and Iceland and Redwoods where I eventually met Terry. Um, this is all on Voyage? This is all on Voyage but all that footage wound up in the, not all of it, but a lot of that footage wound up in the Tree of Life and the Birth of Universe mm -hmm. sequence and everything. But that, so essentially that happened and it changed the course of my life because um, I was at school for business. They didn't even have a film school. It was like Texas State and then I got back home and I, I, I like, I can't remember the exact order of events, but I made the decision to drop out of school. Mm -hmm. And I dropped out of school, interned for Terry a bunch, just started making my own stuff. And that's when I really got obsessed with, especially like film grammar. Because I made, I had made shorts with friends all my life, but I tried to make, I think like a pretentious movie about grief and a mother losing her son, starring Krisha. And I realized I didn't even fully get what to do with the camera you know like I knew I was so naive I was like oh I make it look like that I don't know but I didn't know and like I didn't even I was like okay we'll do a while I was figuring it out and then after that I got obsessed and just like studying movies studying movies I had no life um, I worked for my dad at my parents house watching movies, making shorts, whatever. Um, and I assume you're around Lubinsky, who is not... Uh, well, yeah. Who and that, is, he, I, it's very different than what you do, but nonetheless, still. you're talking about like some incredibly 
a virtuoso camera movement. Amazing. And like just to be around that was incredible. And actually, when we were on Voyage, it wasn't even Lubitsky. It was a guy named Paul Atkins right. who shot. He was essentially the second unit. Well, I assumed you guy. also got onto Tree. And, well, and, I didn't and, get onto Tree because Tree had already shot. Okay. But I later got onto Song to Song, okay. which I still haven't seen it came out. But that was like two months with Lubetsky and... Uh, all the actors and everything and seeing them work in Terry's unorthodox method and who takes to it, who doesn't and all, it was fascinating. But so that was like my film school. It was stuff like that, devouring movies on my own, trying to make my shorts and stuff. And then the first time I had personally made anything that I could get behind it all was the short film version of Carisha, mm -hmm. which was still an accident. I tried to make the feature in five days with $7,000 and failed miserably. Had a nervous breakdown behind closed doors that whole week. It was the worst week of my life because I believed in the story. Like I just like it comes from a personal place, and I knew what the movie. Did could you basically be. have the same script that you ended up being the feature? No. no. Okay, you weren't I, even there yet. Okay. I wasn't even there. Um, it was worse, but it was like it. I took two years to change that into a short. Everything I learned, and then I wrote "It Comes at Night," and then the Carisha short played South by Southwest. I thought investors would be lined up at the door. Kid, let's give you money, go make this movie. No one cared, I didn't talk to, like, nothing truly productive, even though the experience was amazing. And then I started thinking about what Cresha could be, what the feature could, mm -hmm. what it always was meant to be. Mm -hmm. um, and then I got the bug again. And then I rewrote the Cresha feature, even after writing the first draft for It Comes at Night. So to me, the movies are really interlinked and at a time like I thought It Comes at Night would be my first movie so you never know but then I rewrote Crucia Feature did it the right way took everything I learned and uh, it was I was very lucky I basically got a do-over I get I got a second chance to make my first film um you know in it we were talking about Crucia breaking out of Tough Buy and um amazing week but the probably the best thing that came out of that is A24 yeah. got on board yeah which I mean, we kind of saw that they were going to become a great company, but in the last couple of years, I mean, it's... Just keep, and keep going. And, and they, I, I, I think, and I don't want to get into this because my, my colleague, uh, Kate Erblin, is going to be writing a story about this, but I mean, it quickly turned into a partnership with you, which I, I think once they saw Cresha, right, it quickly yeah. moved into, hey, let's check out that It Comes at Night script. Is that right? It was exactly that. And once again, it was after South By. It was like, because we made some waves at South By, which mm -hmm. was incredible. Like, South By changed my entire life. I got agents out of there. I got yeah, everything. Mm -hmm. And then, but the like my agent sent the short, or sorry, sorry, uh, sent Cresha to a guy there. And he loved it, and he called me, and he was like, the movie's incredible, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know, I wrote this movie, it's sort of a horror movie, it's just like I care about it. And he was like, send it to us, and they read it, and then we met at Cannes, and they were like, we want to make it, and we want to release Grisha. I was like, dope, let's do it. <laughs> so my understanding is that um, It Comes at Night is, is, is coming from a, a, a personal place, mm -hmm. this is, right? What, could you talk a little bit about the... Yeah. The story behind this? Yeah, and it's weird because, uh, well, okay, so first, it, um, it, I had a messed up relationship with my biological father. Uh, a lot of that was inspired, or like, was inspiration for Cresha. Um, cut off our relationship, hadn't seen him in over 10 years, and then he got pancreatic cancer and was dying really fast. And then I was with him on his deathbed, and he was so full of regret. Uh, and it was the closest I've ever come to death and it was traumatic and like every day after that day change you know what I mean like th things take place in your life where you change as a person and that was certainly one of those things and um, 
two months after that, you know, I was like reading books on genocide and like looking at Triumph of the Death, Peter Royal painting and like watching dark stuff, but just thinking a lot and thinking about my fears and, and us as a society and these cycles of violence and what we keep doing to each other and like, just like my fear for our future and like my future and my own mortality, all this really heavy shit. But then I just started writing the opening scene where what she, what Sarah's saying to her dad is what I said to mine. And then the whole, this whole fictional narrative spewed out of that. And obviously very fictional after that, but um, the headspace I was in, the, what I was thinking about, you know, thematically and emotionally, 100% comes through in the movie. But to where now though, I have a weird relationship with it because I have no idea if that comes across to other people. I can't watch it like other people do. It's really weird. And. Is it, is it not, I mean, it made a lot of sense for this film to, to turn to, to horror, but is that something, when we're talking about these kind of raw emotions, is that something, is, is turning to genre something that seems like a natural instinct for you when dealing with, or is it, was it just this particular project? I think it was just this particular project. Um, yeah, like the next thing I want to do is totally different and weird. It's like kids in high school and stuff, but I think it's sto story to story and wherever that naturally leads. Uh -huh. um, because I mean, yeah. some people naturally, you know, like that, dealing with really fucked up things, they naturally think about like and talk about society. They can think about those two layers of genre. And totally. Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, you know, let's if it was about sort of my own fears, uh -huh. it's like naturally that if I made a movie about like <laughs> I could have made a, a movie that's not compelling or entertaining mm -hmm. at all and no one would want to watch but me. So at least I. I think I was like channeling that into a way that where like hopefully people can still experience this or something. I just, want, I just want to set up this world real quick and please, it, it maybe, actually, you know what, maybe you can do it better. You know the story, but they said it's, it's, we have a family. Yes. Um, they are a mother, father, and um, a son. Um, they are in a uh, rural cabin. I, I don't know where this is, but they're in the woods. Yeah. Clearly something is around. Yeah. Something, uh, we, I don't want to give the powerful opening away, but clearly there's disease, people are dying, yeah. and there's incredible paranoia. Yeah. Um, and then they come, there's an interaction with another family, um, Riley Kilo and um, Chris Abbott, and, and there's that sense of no one knows what's going on. Yes. People are dying. We have no sense of what that world is, and yes. so this kind of interplay of people with these very fried on the edge. Is that, is that That's it? a good description. Okay. <laughs> it is, and I, I love the film, but I, it, it is incredibly, um, there's something very primal and very dark, yeah. and um, it, it, I, I can sense this idea, listening to you talk about confronting all these dark, you know, yep. mortality issues. And there's something about um, this exploring of masculinity and this on this like very yeah. primal level yeah. and what that means. It almost seems like the container of this story is to strip away and to get down to father, son, yeah. very primal stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, De definitely. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, well, like I said, it just like the, the nugget of it came from losing my dad, mm -hmm. but then that trickled over to these books and like thinking in like a broader aspect. But then when it sims down too, it's like masculinity and father and son and trust and, and people and worldviews. It's like, I see so much of uh, my stepdad versus me in that. Um, and like other sides of my dad in that character. And um, yeah, I don't know. 
it's all over the movie. There's, um, you know, I think in terms of low budget filmmaking, there's a sense of um, it's smart to limit. It's smart sure. to work yeah. within a contained world. Um, and I, I'm wondering though, based on the type of stories that you tell, yeah. there also seems to be something very, it, it doesn't seem to just be a smart decision of working within resources, it also seems to be this nature of drilling down of, the, of a world being smaller and not knowing what's on the outside of the periphery, right? Totally, totally. And that's why I, I, I just got questions at a Q&A the other day or something, and they were like, why didn't, I mean, did you ever have drafts where you opened it up and see the world and just get out? And like, it's like, no, just because that was never what the movie was about, you know? It was about, um, nailing these characters in this house with literally boards on the window, you know, excluded from everything. We don't even know what's going on out there. We don't know who's alive. We don't know anything. All we know are these two families just confined in this little space um, and seeing what happens between them and the fear between them or whatever, you know. It's like, yeah. Because there's another element too, which is that, and I, I think about the backstory of the family and Kresha about like not quite knowing exactly what happened. Yes. And yes. I think that's a, there's something also an instinct for you as a storyteller of like not only of closing the blinders to that, but also activating that space. Yeah. Both for the audience and for the characters of what actually like there's a not like wanting that unknown and and having that partially drive the story, right? Well, that I, yeah. To me, it's funny too because that's. That's also just the storytelling I like. You know, I like just being dropped into a story and catching up details as you can, uh, seeing everything from the character's point of view. I don't like bullshit exposition unless there's like a real reason for it. And yeah, that's just what I dig. Um, but it's funny, I think that just naturally, so like I never approach this like, um, I don't I didn't approach it as much as like now I'm making a genre movie or and like got it was just like I'm making this story it naturally led to that and that's how my storytelling sensibilities go mm -hmm. and I didn't anticipate how frustrating that would be for a lot of people <laughs> 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 from like the title being more uh, you know speaking to the movie thematically and not literally to like answers what's coming I at leave. night what's coming at night exactly first <laughs> it's like all the questions I get is like, things I intentionally leave unanswered throughout the movie, what the title means, every, and it's like, fuck, I didn't fully anticipate what I was getting myself into. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what about, I mean, what about the sense of um, um, this limiting in terms of um, also the light in this? Yes. I mean, it's this beautiful thing um, where, um, you still got the camera moving, but there's also, it almost feels like this film is being lit by their flashlights. Totally. But, but it looks beautiful. I mean, how did you guys execute? I mean, you, use, you, you have your same DP that you had on Kreisha. What, what Are you working very minimally and then trying to figure out how to yeah. get that look? Yeah, and uh, same DP as Kreisha. I love that guy, Drew. And with biggest thing, talking about lights and lanterns and flashlights, it, it is just practically lit by those things. And what we wanted and we talked about so much is feeling the night in this movie. There's literally night in the title and the darkness surrounding you and the unknown, like that to me is scary. Just walking in the woods or walking in your house with a flashlight is scary. And we wanted to feel that. Um, and yeah, we, I mean, with an Alexa nowadays, uh, it would probably be harder with film and get the right stop or whatever, but with an Alexa and just like some more beef on the lanterns and the flashlights, 
it, it's great and like um, I one thing I can do I have a weird relationship with the movie and it's weird for me to watch it but I can separate and like admire the crap like admire my collab like I love Brian's work for the score I love Drew's work I love my actors and I can do that but like the um, I don't know I, I love the way we got the light down with the uh, with the practicals and how, how, how small is this thing in terms of crew is it is it uh, probably standard, like, the, it wasn't a union shoot or anything. Uh, it wasn't, certainly bigger than Krisha. Krisha was, like, five guys in a house <laughs> with my family. Your bigger than your, uh... Yeah. Well, I, it's funny, too. It's, like, actually, Krisha had a bigger cast than this movie, which is weird. It's, right. like, this movie is just as much a chamber drama, really. Um, but interesting, yeah. It's, uh, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how big the crew is and what's average, but to me it didn't feel that crazy. Certainly bigger, but... Mm-hmm. And it's, you, you kind of referenced this before. Um, do you have a sense of uh, what the next project will be? Yeah. Um, I, I, I just got to finish writing it, but it's like... Um, it, like with It Comes at Night, this was something that was in my, I had images in my head for years, but I didn't know what they were. I don't watch that many post-apocalyptic movies. I don't care about that as much per se, but it would be things. It would be like the wheelbarrow or the, the windows or the gas mask or the families. Why are these families and what's it all leading to? And then losing my dad made it all click and connect. Mm-hmm. And then with this new one I'm trying to do, um, it's sort of kids in high school and a family over a year and um, it, like spans out and more ambitious and playing with a lot of things. Spans out in terms of time, it sounds like you're talking about. Span- time and locations, you know, okay. it's not just one house again, right. which is good. I got to get out. I got to, it will feel so good. And then you like. Gotta, you got to employ those location managers. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Uh, someone. And then, uh, and then music is going to be, it's going to flow like a piece of music, like Goodfellas or Boogie Nights or something. And just like, I don't, it's my baby, but it, for that it was like the thing that clicked it was like as cheesy as it sounds is like love and then thinking about like love and hate and that dichotomy and all this stuff but I hope that's next I, I have no idea but that's you gotta kind of finish it and figure out where you're gonna exactly where you're gonna go right now it. I'm just like I want to get through this movie <laughs> <laughs> well it is uh it's it's hitting this Friday just Friday this yeah, Friday man. and it, it and um is it going small and big, or is it? Is it? Is it? It's is going it, big. It's going big right Start, off the bat. Right yeah. off the bat. It'll be interesting. <laughs> is that nerve wracking at all? It, totally, totally. It's everything with this experience has just been like, all right, didn't know quite know what I was getting myself into. Is there, there has to be the sense of like, this film feels like catharsis, and 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 then suddenly you walk out of the dark editing room and here world exactly but it keeps happening it well it's weird because the first time i wrote it it spewed out of me in three days like obviously i refined a lot of it but like the first thing spewed out of me in three days and it was extremely cathartic and then but then i was done for a while and then you know tweak the script make the movie again shoot it and then edit and then you think you're good but that then you're not then press it you know what i mean and it's always it's been these continuous waves of that to where I don't know if it's cathartic. I don't know what it is. I'm just tired and have no idea what people are going to think about the movie. So we'll see. It's great. And thank you, it's man. It's great. Thank lot, you. I mean, uh, we uh, talked with a bunch of, uh, of uh, press on uh, last Thursday. Yeah. And walking out, we were all like... Really? Yeah. That's because awesome, it, But it was... It, it's... Yeah, I mean, the one thing I want to say... IndieWire readers are going to love this movie. But, I mean, the one thing about it is that it is... I mean, you got to be... you got to brace yourself. Because yes. it is... Um, 
it's a lot. Yes. It's a lot. Yes, and yeah. it's it's going to be interesting in a wide release. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trey, thank you so much. Best of luck. Thank you, brother.